Jesus was the greatest teacher that ever lived. He warned us of false prophets, wars, famines, earthquakes, great tribulation, and much more. But above all else, His most important message was that we should all be ready for the soon coming kingdom of God. We will analyze the kingdom of God on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. You know, with everything going on in the news, um, I wanted to make sure that we all stay focused on what's the most important thing in all of our lives. And that is the soon coming kingdom of God. Yes, we do know about wars and world governments and war religions and the mark of the beast that's coming, and all these different things, and we do need to talk about them. But the absolute most important thing is the soon coming kingdom of God. Jesus Christ knew about it, and that was His main message, the gospel of the kingdom of God. You know, Satan is a master at diverting our attention from the most important thing in this life, and that is preparing for our eternal existence. Much more important than what the truckers are doing in Canada. Much more important than what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. Much more important than the COVID-19 vaccine mandates and mask mandates and all of this. We do need to talk about those things. But the most important thing is preparing for the soon coming kingdom of God. You know, Satan is working day and night to take God out of our society because without a belief and a reliance on God and His Word, Satan knows that we will not be able to enter the kingdom of God. And that is his goal. There is an enemy of your soul. And he's doing everything he can to get your mind off of God and on anything else. You know, people get focused on sports, entertainment, I mean, travel, gambling, drugs, the pursuit of money, uh, and many other dreams and goals and aspirations. And I do want to say that not all of these are bad. However... If God is not in the equation at all, I should let me rephrase that. If God is not number one on your priority list and your preparation for your eternal existence, then you need to rearrange your priorities. Now, Jesus' main message on earth was the coming kingdom of God and your preparation for that. 
it wasn't only Jesus, but, but there were many Old Testament prophets and New Testament apostles that foretold the coming kingdom of God. And therefore, the kingdom of God should be number one on our agenda. I know the, king, I know the kingdom is coming. How do I prepare myself for that? You know, remember, Jesus told us, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and earthquakes and pandemics and all these different things. There's going to be false Christ and false prophets. But his number one message, the kingdom of God, and make sure you're prepared for that. You know, having been in ministry for many, many years, I have found that many people, even Christians, they do not really understand what the kingdom of God is. What what is the kingdom of God? And what do we have to do to be included in the kingdom of God? Zechariah 14 is devoted to the battle of Armageddon. When Jesus will come to the earth, fight against the invading armies of the world government system that have come against Israel under the Antichrist, And it is at that time Jesus will establish His kingdom on the earth. Zechariah 14.9 says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord and His name one. And then Daniel 2.44 states, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to another to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all of the other world-governing empires before it, and it shall stand forever. Now, <clears throat> Revelation eleven fifteen says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there was great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever. So the kingdom of God will be when Jesus returns to the earth and establishes His kingdom. No more human world governments. No more human governments at all. Jesus Christ and the saints, which will rule as kings and priests with Him in that kingdom, will establish that kingdom and it will rule for 1,000 years, then we have the great white throne, and then we go off into eternity. Now, what is the gospel of the kingdom? Anyone who has ever been sent by God to preach has been sent to preach the gospel of the kingdom. We know what the kingdom of God is, but how do we preach the gospel of the kingdom? Matthew 3, 1-2 talks about Uh, John the Baptist, and it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What What is the kingdom of heaven? Luke refers to the kingdom of God, but Matthew refers to the kingdom of heaven. Are are they something different? No. These two are actually synonymous terms. John the Baptist preached the gospel of the kingdom. In Matthew 4.23, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel 
of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among um, the different cities. And what did they preach when they preached the gospel of the kingdom? When Jesus sent the disciples to preach, he explicitly told them to preach the gospel of the kingdom. So, what did they preach? Well, we'll get off into this in great detail when we get back from the break. It's very important. It's the most important message that you'll ever hear. And it's something that we need to have absolutely at the very top of our priority list. No matter what's going on in the world right now, we have to prepare for the soon coming kingdom of God. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Well, we're going to get back to the kingdom of God in just a moment, but I have a quick announcement. This coming Saturday and Sunday, I'll be at the Rock Church of in Justin, Texas, the Rock Church of Justin, 411 Ludi Avenue, and uh, Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m., that would be February 26th, I'll be teaching the Antichrist Socialistic Kingdom, and it's a brand new lesson for this year, and then on Sunday morning... February 27th from 10 a.m. to 12, between 12 and 12.30 or so. I'll be doing uh, breaking prophetic news. If we have time, we'll do a Q&A. And uh, so you definitely would want to meet us up there. All this winter weather advisory, all that will be gone. We'll have a great time this weekend. Looking forward to seeing you up in Justin. Um, and all of the information is on our website, endtime.com. Go to the events and then the uh, drop-down tab would be conferences. All the information is there 
for this weekend and upcoming conferences throughout the year. I've got a lot of them scheduled all over the United States. Now, the kingdom of God. Jesus sent his apostles to teach the kingdom of God. In Luke 9, 2, it says, And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So when we, in 2022, preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, we tell people about the kingdom that Jesus is going to establish on the earth, and we explain what people must do to be included in that kingdom. Not everybody will be part of the kingdom of God, ruling and reigning as kings and priests with the Lord in that kingdom. I know that there are those that teach, well, hey, you can just live however you want and you'll be part of the kingdom. That's not scriptural. So we need to make sure that we stick with uh, biblical principles and foundational teachings because there's a lot of teachings going on out there. You know what I'm talking about. In John 3, 1 through 5, Jesus talked about the kingdom to a man named Nicodemus. John 3, 1 through 5 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. And he said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Well, Jesus looked right back at him, and he wanted to get to the crux of the issue. He didn't want to talk about the Roman government and the oppression and all the taxes that they were paying, and, oh, I just, you know, I'm just going out of my mind over this government that we're under. No, no. Jesus looked right at him and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said back to him, Well, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter again a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? And be born? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus was absolutely straightforward. And it is the first time that we're introduced to the term born again. Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth, not a natural birth. And he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. What does it mean to be born again? Well, this is where I want to offer you a free brochure. For a conclusive, because I want to to stick with the kingdom of God here. It's very important. But for a conclusive explanation of the biblical plan of salvation, to be born again... Exactly what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about. You can call 1-800-363-8463 and ask for the free brochure, What Do You Mean Born Again? Or go to, or just visit endtime.com. Type in in the search, What Do You Mean Born Again? And it'll all come up. Just read the whole thing and then you can know how to enter the kingdom of God. It's really easy. But the most important thing anyone can do, can ever do, is make sure that you are born again. Remember, the kingdom of God, Jesus said it's coming, and I want you to be prepared for that. Now, 
Yes, I, we are prophecy teachers. Do, do not, you don't do anything. You don't have anything to do with the mark of the beast in the near future. You don't pledge allegiance to a world government system or to a man. And make sure your allegiance is with Jesus Christ and Him only. When we are born again, we become part of the kingdom of God. You're preparing yourself. You're living as a Christian individual and you're preparing yourself for that soon coming time when the Lord will come back, gather His saints, have the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky, we'll go straight with Him to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon, He'll plant His feet on the Mount of Olives, and that's when all of Israel will be saved, and then God will tear down human government, establish His government here on the earth. So the end of the age of human government and the beginning of the kingdom of God, that occurs at the Battle of Armageddon. The most detailed account of the Battle of Armageddon is found in Revelation 16, verses 12 through 16. And verses 12 through 14 says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up to make way for the kings of the east that they might be prepared. What are they prepared for? They're coming down to the battle of Armageddon. Then John said, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon or Satan, out of the mouth of the beast or the, or the antichrist, and the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the great battle of that great day of God Almighty. They're being gathered down to come against Israel for the battle of Armageddon. So this passage really explains two things that will happen. The Euphrates River will be dried up and the sixth vial is poured out. Now, in our minds our finite minds, we can't even conceive of something like this happening. But let me tell you, folks, things will not always be as they are right now. This world is fixing to be shaken. And we're going to go through some things that we've never gone through. A six-trumpet war. There's going to be a peace agreement in Israel. The, The third temple is going to be built. There will be an Antichrist. There will be a world fully a fully functioning world government, fully functioning world religion, a fully functioning functioning global numbering system. We will go through a great tribulation. These are in these are in just the very near future now. And so we've had a, a, a time here, several decades of relatively relatively calm. Yes, we have had some cataclysmic events. But I'm talking about there's some things coming that are going to shake the world in just the very near future. But what's the most important thing on your mind beyond all of that? Is am I prepared? It was the most important thing on Jesus' mind. He came back to seek and save that which is lost and prepare people for the coming kingdom of God. Well, we know now because of the understanding of Bible prophecy that we are just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ when He will establish His kingdom here on the earth. I've got to prepare myself 
for that coming kingdom. Whether it happens, I mean, tomorrow. The Lord could come for any one of us tomorrow. Now, the rapture, we're a little ways out from that yet. But the Lord could come for, and nobody's promised tomorrow. Nobody. So I need to be preparing for these times that are just ahead of us, right? Even I really need to lead a Christian life just in case something would happen this week. I need to live a continual Christian walk and have a relationship with the Lord, having been born again and preparing myself and others for this soon coming kingdom of God. But, getting back to our... uh, program, that my main gist of it here, the, um, my little timeline I'm building for you, the Euphrates River is going to be dried up with the sixth vial when that's poured out. These are the vi- seven vials of the wrath of God. The sixth vial, the Euphrates River is dried up. That's going to facilitate the invasion of the armies of the world government of Israel by the kings of the east. The Euphrates River drying up will be the fulfillment of a significant prophecy because it is the principal water source of the Middle East. You can only imagine um, imagine drying up the Mississippi River here in the United States. Well, then imagine drying up that something like that happening in the Middle East, where it's mostly desert out there. It's going to be dried up. Now, if you remember back on June 13, 1990... The Indianapolis Star carried a headline that said, Turkey will cut off the flow of the Euphrates River for one month. And, you know, Turkey had built that big Ataturk Dam, and they needed to fill up that reservoir. So when the dam was completed, they actually stopped the flow of the Euphrates River for 30 days. Now, this means, of course, that the 2,000-year-old prophecy concerning the drying up of the Euphrates River could not have been filled, fulfilled before the year 1990. But now, Turkey has the ability to stop the river's flow. And when the time comes for the prophecy to be fulfilled, the Euphrates River flow will be stopped to dry the riverbed and allow the kings of the east to invade Israel. The second thing that this passage explains is that there will be three spirits like frogs that will come out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and a false prophet. So these spirits are the spirits of devils, drawing the kings of the earth to come down against Israel for the battle of Armageddon. These are going to be the world governing, uh, the world governing armies that are under the reign of the Antichrist. They're going to come down against Israel to battle. It's going to be the final battle on earth, the battle of Armageddon. Revelation 16, 15 continues and it says, and this is after the sixth vial, behold, I come as a thief. How many times does the Lord come as a thief in the future? One time. The Bible says that happens at the, after the sixth vial is poured out. Did you know that? It says, behold, this is Revelation 16, 15. You can go read it. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So 
God is coming, folks. You've got to make sure that you're prepared for that time. Don't be careless. Don't go to sleep at this critical time. Don't be um, mesmerized by some of these events going on around the world. Yes, we do need to be interested in those events. We will talk about them here on End of the Age. But I want to make sure that we, even though all this stuff's going on in the world, Jesus said, I'm coming back. Make sure that you are preparing yourself for that coming kingdom of God because there will come a time when there's a rapture. He will split the clouds wide open. Revelation 1-7 says, Every eye will behold Him. He will come back to gather His elect. The dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet Him in the air. But He also, we, he also said that you, your time could come at any time. Nobody's promised tomorrow. The obituaries are full every day, folks. People meeting their maker. And so we, Jesus was, he was constantly giving parables about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. Why did he do that? He wanted to make sure that with everything going on else going on in the world, that we were prepared for our time to meet him whether it's by way of the grave or it's at the time of the rapture. Jesus prophesied about all of this. He talked to us and He taught us, trying to prepare us. And He talked about, He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God and then He sent His disciples. You go out and you teach this same message. It was the most important thing on His mind. Well, then Revelation 16, 16, just after it says, Behold, I come as a thief, it says, And he carried them away, uh, and he carried them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. And this is the only passage in the Bible where the word Armageddon is used. And the word Armageddon comes from two words. It's actually um, Har Megiddo, or Hill of Megiddo. And the city of Megiddo is on the hill overlooking the plain of Megiddo uh, up in the north. We also know that as the Valley of Jezreel. The Valley of Jezreel, the plain of Megiddo, it's um, about seven miles wide, about 15 miles long. It's as flat as this desktop here. And it is where the Battle of Armageddon will originate. The battle is going to finish about 160 miles south. Uh, down through the Jordan Valley and into the gates of Jerusalem, right there in the Kidron Valley between the Mount of Olives and the Temple Mount. And so these are things that are going to transpire in just the very near future. And so we need to make sure, just like Jesus said, make sure you're preparing for that day because there will come a time. It hasn't happened yet, but there will come a time, and it's very soon. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You know, there's actually another account of Armageddon. It's uh, given back in Zechariah. Zechariah 14.2 says, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem um, to battle. In Revelation, it says, The spirit of devils gather the nations to battle. But in Zechariah, it says God will do it. You say, well, there's a contradiction in the Bible right there. No. Because God will use Satan to fulfill his purpose. He's done it at other times in the Bible. And so the nations of the earth will be convinced to fight against Israel. Zechariah 14.2 says, um, And the city, Jerusalem, shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished, half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. So, when the world governing armies drive Israel all the way down up into the Kidron Valley, it will appear, well, the Jews will. They're going to teeter on the brink of defeat. And it's, again, the battle's going to begin in in northern Israel. It's going to fall back down the Jordan Valley before the superior firepower of the international community which will likely be a, 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 maybe an, an armies of NATO forced, some type of situation like that. And we don't know if this kind of force will be um, structured, what kind of a, a structure it's going to have. But you know, we know it's going to be a mighty force that will fight against Israel. <clears throat> and this force will push Israel to the gates of Jerusalem. And when the Israeli army faces her last stand, they will call upon the Lord for help. That's when Zechariah 14, 3-4 says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the middle thereof towards the east and the west. And there shall be a great valley. And half of the mountain will move towards the north and towards the south. And the Bible says a great earthquake will kill 7,000 people in Jerusalem at that time. Well, 
you know, that the Jews expect their Messiah, it's an Old Testament prophecy, they expect their Messiah to come to the Mount of Olives. And in the middle of their fighting, these soldiers of all the armies will see Jesus Christ descend from the heavens onto, the Bible says every eye will behold Him. They're going to see Him descend on the Mount of Olives with His armies behind Him. Who's the armies behind Him? That's the saints. And uh, the book of Jude says He comes with ten thousands of His saints. Now, the Jewish people, they're going to fall down and worship Him. And as one looks at His hands, though, Jesus' hands, Zechariah 13, 6 says, One will say unto him, What are those wounds in thine hands? And he's going to answer him and say, These are those with which I got was wounded in the house of my friends. And you can imagine, but we know you're the Messiah. You came back to the Mount of Olives, but you've got these scars. They know the stories. And suddenly the Jewish people will be overcome 2,000 years of spiritual blindness when they realize Jesus was the Messiah. Zechariah 12.10 says, And I will pour uh, pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. They are going to finally realize. I mean, the Bible says the Jews will weep because of their rejection of the Messiah. They're going to realize the stories that they've been told about Jesus being the Messiah, that that was the truth. And this will be the beginning of the millennium, the the, the 1,000 years of peace. Daniel 7 verse 9 says, I beheld until the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit. The the thrones of human government are going to be done away with. All governments will be suspended and Jesus will be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, Daniel 7.27 says, And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey Him. So the kingdom will be given to the saints, the born-again people who have been raptured to meet the Lord in the air. This is why Jesus was saying, look, prepare yourself. Make sure you've been born again. Make sure you lived as a Christian individual until my return. You've got to be prepared. It was Jesus' main message. It was the apostles' main message. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first four books of the, of the New Testament, those were the, the life, the teachings, and the death of Jesus Christ. His, his, his life experience, his life teachings from four men's perspectives. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The book of Acts is the actions of the apostles that they put into into um, uh, their, in the, the revivals and different things that they had, they put into action what they learned from Jesus. And then the book of Romans through Jude is 
letters, epistles written to different people, different churches to show them how to live as Christians post the born-again experience. And then the book of Revelation, uh, in, from Revelation 4.1 on, that begins the prophetic portion of the book of Revelation. So that's how the New Testament is structured. Most of the New Testament is structured to show people how to live as Christians post the born-again experience. Because the Lord knew that we would need some help along the way, right? All of us. But these born-again people who have been raptured to meet the Lord in the air, they will be the saints who will rule and reign as kings and priests with Jesus Christ during that 1,000-year millennial reign. Now, I've had people say, well, it's not going to be on the earth. It's going to be some spiritual experience somewhere. However, Revelation 5, uh, 9 through 10, it says the redeemed uh, will rejoice and say, and has redeemed us to God and by the blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign where? On the earth. And the Bible says the meek will inherit the earth. So, with all of these teachings that Jesus gave us and that the apostles taught and all the revivals and everything, it's showing us how the born-again experience, showing us how to prepare ourselves for the soon-coming kingdom of God. We are in um, training to reign with Him. Uh, it's what being a Christian is all about. We're taught to love those that hate us to do good to those who despitefully use us. You say, well, that's not natural. That's why he coined the term born again. Once you become a Christian individual, the Bible says old things are passed away, all things are become new. You, you, you shed your old lifestyle, your old sinful lifestyle, and you start treating people different. And love those that hate us. Do good to those who despitefully use us. These are the principles that will rule the world during the 1,000 years of peace. You know, no wonder it's going to be a time of peace on earth and goodwill towards men, right? And we're preparing ourselves now. Zechariah 14.9 says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord and His name one. God will not be called by many different names. He's not going to be called Brahma, Allah, Jehovah. There's going to be one Lord and His name one. The Lord, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. You know, and what's, what's going to happen to Israel at that time? Romans 11, 25 and 26. Um, it says, For I would not have you to be ignorant, or... For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part hath happened to Israel. So right now, Israel is blinded in part. Um, and you have to understand these concepts because some people believe because we're in the gap of the 60, Daniel 70 weeks, because we're in the gap of the 69th week to the 70 week, that no Jews can be saved. That is, we're in the time of the Gentiles. But I have Jews to I have Jewish friends today that have been born again. The Bible says that they've been blinded in part, as ha- blindness in part hath happened to Israel. 
until. So Jews can be saved today and Gentiles will be able to save, be able to be saved during the final, during Daniel's 70th week. Okay, did you know that? This is scriptural. Remember, uh, during the Great Tribulation, the Bible says that there were, John saw a vision of people that stood before God, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, and there was a multitude no man could number out of every kindred, people, tongue, and nation, not just Jews. And that the elder looked at John and said, Where are these, who are these people? Where did they come from? And John said, I, I don't know. Thou knowest. And the elder said, these are they that came out of great tribulation. Okay? So Israel is blinded in part. That has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. All of Israel who survives the great tribulation, the wrath of God, at the time of the battle of Armageddon and has survived that stuff, they will then be saved. That, again, remember, that's when the Lord plants His feet on the Mount of Olives. They recognize He's the Messiah. The blindness peels off of their eyes. And the Bible says they'll all be saved at that point. Now, the sad news is that two-thirds of them will be destroyed. The latter part of Zechariah chapter 13 tells us that. It says, um, but one-third who survives will be saved, though, to live into the millennium under the rulership of Jesus Christ and his church. Uh, Matthew 19, 27 and 28 says, Then Peter said, in, um, said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in, his, in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So it's going to be a wonderful sight to see the apostles sitting on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel during the millennium. Um, uh, where would that be? As Isaiah 12, or <coughs> pardon me, Isaiah 2, verses 2 through 3 says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. I want to be a part of that. I want to be ruling and reigning as a kings and priest with the Lord during that time. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50.
If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Now, we can't really say that there will be a literal house of the Lord or a literal temple. Because we know the Bible teaches that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost and that God no longer dwells in temples made with hands. And we also know the church is called the New Jerusalem. So Isaiah 2, 4 says, And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. No war for a thousand years here on the earth. They're going to take up all their implements of war and use them for productive purposes. And they will no longer learn war. They, they will no longer, uh, no, no military. There's going to be no need because there will be peace on the earth. Isaiah eleven six says the wolf also will dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the, uh, the calf and the young lion of the fatling together, and the little child will lead them. Even animals will no longer kill each other. Uh, Isaiah eleven seven says, And the cow and the bear shall feed together. Um, their young will lie down together, and the lioness will eat straw like the ox. I mean, no, the lions aren't going to be running around eating deer and rabbits, and, and you know, um, and no one will be running for his or her life in fear. Uh, verse 8 says, And the suckling child shall play upon the hole of an asp, which is a poisonous snake. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. So instead of being filled with fear concerning these things, there will be safety, security, and peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Isaiah 11, 9-10 says, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign, to, uh, of all the people, and to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. So the earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the Lord, and that is his nature. And we will love our enemies and do good to those that despitefully use us. These principles will rule the entire world in the coming kingdom of God. The earth will be at rest. The Bible says God's rest will be glorious. Now, of course, that brings up the question, who will populate the earth during the kingdom of God? Who will be the the mortal individuals? The Bible says we will rule and reign as kings and priests with Him. Who do we rule and reign over, right? 
uh, back in Daniel, verse 7, or I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 11. It says, I beheld even until the beast was slain, the Antichrist slain, and his body destroyed. Uh, Revelation 19, 20 tells us he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And this, uh, this verse says, and it, his body will be given to the burning flame. It's the same thing. But as concerning the rest of the beast, remember in Daniel 7 that the, um, well, it says, and concerning the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So if you remember these beasts in Daniel 7, they represent nations. So Great Britain, the United States, one-sixth of Russia, um, and the other nations represented by these beasts, they will be allowed to live into the millennium. You say, well, why only one-sixth of Russia? Well, if you remember in um, Ezekiel 39, it says five-sixths of Russia is going to be destroyed in the Battle of Armageddon. Now, we don't know if this refers to five-sixths of the Russian army, Gog, Magog, that will have come down uh, or, or, uh, against Israel or the entire nation of Russia. I don't know the answer to that one for sure. But Russia's penalty for leading the charge against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon will be the loss of five-sixths of her entity. And there is the possibility, you say, well, who, who specifically lives into the millennial reign? Well, there is the possibility that no child will be held responsible for the decisions of their parents. And there's an Old Testament example of that when Israel refused to go into the promised land because of their unbelief, right? Oh, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. We can't go in. The Lord said, nope, you're not going in because you had unbelief. So all of those, at that time though, all of those below the age of 20 were not held responsible for the decisions of their parents. And they were allowed to go into the promised land. Now, it may be, again, may, big word here, it may be all of those under the age of 20 will be allowed to enter in. I do not know that 100%. That's speculation on our part, okay? And there are, on the earth today, there are actually almost 2 billion people below the age of 20, from 19 years old and down, on the earth right now. And there are plenty of people to populate the earth during the millennium, right? The Bible says that lifespans will be elongated back to the way they were at the beginning of time. Isaiah 65, 20 says, For the child shall die a hundred years old. And, you know, you go to a funeral, they say, Oh, man, I'm sorry he passed away. How old was he? hundred years old. Oh, he was just a child. Uh, you remember back in early days, Methuselah lived 960 years. I'm sorry, um, 969. Adam lived to be 900 years old. So the Bible teaches that during this time, Satan will be bound for that entire 1,000 years. Most people serve Satan now because he's the God of this world. But when he is bound, the majority of people will serve God instead. The millennium is going to be a 
a, a wonderful time. Peace on earth. You say, well, what will happen after the 1,000 years of peace? Revelation 20, 7-8 says, When the 1,000 years is expired, Satan will be loosed out of his prison. He shall go to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, four quarters, I should say, four quarters of the earth, and Gog and Magog, together with them, gather them to, to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So I just, I don't, you know, I can't comprehend somebody who's lived under the reign of the saints and of God and then says, okay, when Satan's loosed, he's going to be, to be able to spread his deceit again. He's going to be allowed once again to deceive the nations. Gog and Magog specifically refer to Russia. So the Bible says Satan will influence the nations to come against Jesus Christ at Jerusalem. Uh, the question always comes up, why would God release Satan to deceive the nations again? The only thing that we can think of is that before God culminates the events of the end, that He wants those who lived during the millennium to have free choice between Himself and Satan. I mean, when God takes people into eternity with eternal life, He wants to make sure that they have chosen of their own free will to serve Him and to love Him and to have a relationship with Him. He's not going to force this on anybody. Revelation 20 verse 9 says, And they went up um, on the breadth of the earth, these armies that come down that Satan had deceived, they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the, the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. But it does not say that there's a battle at that time. Guess what it says? The Bible says, a fire came down from heaven and consumes them. From God out of heaven and it devours them. God's done with war. Revelation 20.10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the Antichrist and the false prophet, the beast, and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire before the millennium. Remember, I just read that back in Daniel 7. And then after the 1,000 years, uh, Satan has been loosed, uh, and he will be cast into the lake of fire as well. Then that brings us to Revelation 20, verse 11 and 12. I saw a great throne and him that sat upon it, whose face was um, that, that the earth and the heaven fled away and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. All people not in, that did not go in the rapture, who do no... Um, who do not already have eternal life, who have been born again, will stand before the great white throne of judgment. And they will be judged according to their works. God's going to determine the eternal destination of all people. Then Revelation 20, 13-15 says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in, the, in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, 
it's very important. You say, and I want you to remember that. That's one of the things that I stress at my prophecy conferences. Before we wrap everything up, everyone whose name, the Bible says in Revelation 13, everyone will worship the beast, the Antichrist, whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Uh, Revelation 20 says that everyone who was not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be cast into the lake of fire. So, what's the number one thing in your life? This is how I started out the program. Jesus Christ knew. He told Nicodemus, except a man is born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. And then we come to the end of the program, and I'm telling you, the Bible says... Everyone whose name was not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they'll be cast in the lake of fire. So what's the number one thing in your life? Be born again. How do you get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Be born again. Again, Nicodemus, Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man's born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. But then, the apostles gave the plan of salvation. And it was to be born again. I'm going to offer it to you one more time. The, the, the reason we offer the brochure is it goes through all the verses. It explains everything in great detail. And then you can email me or Doug Norvell and we can have conversations about it if you have any questions. For a conclusive explanation on the born-again experience, call 1-800-363-8463. Ask for the What Do You Mean Born Again brochure or go to endtime.com. Go to the search bar and type in what do you mean born again? And it'll come up, read it. If you got any questions, email me, drobbins at endtime.com. Email Doug Norvell, dnorvell at endtime.com. We'll answer any questions you have. Because what did Jesus tell Nicodemus? Except a man is born again, he can enter and see the kingdom of God. We've given away, I'm sure, millions of these What Do You Mean Born Again brochures Get yours free today. Contact in time. God bless each and every one. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.